Hi, welcome back to the Disability Dish, the UML Perspective. We're coming off of a summer hiatus, and it was a little bit of an unexpected summer hiatus, but we are so excited to be back with episode 13. And this episode is kind of timely. At the beginning of the school year, we're talking about putting oneself out in the new environment, in a new environment. And I'm Jody Rachens. I'm the Director of Disability Services here. And I'm Lauren Tornatori. I'm the Senior Assistant Director for Disability Education and Enhancement here at UMass Law. And we do just want to give a disclaimer that this is really just a discussion and a conversation. These are opinions and perspectives. No one's really expected to be an expert. Um, and we're just we're just having a nice conversation. Um, but you know, the, the point of this podcast um, is to really reduce stigma and shame around disability and other conversations, just to kind of flip the script around um, topics surrounding things like disability and things that are happening in our environment. All right. We're going to get going. So we have a couple of guests and we may have a third surprise guest. So um, we'll get started with the two guests that are here so far. Go ahead. Um, so I'm safe. Uh, I'm a freshman this year and I am doing nuclear uh, chemical engineering with in, and doing in the nuclear field. Welcome. And my name is Hannah Momblo, and I'm the Assistant Director of Student Life and Wellbeing here at UMass Lowell. And Hannah, you've had other UMass Lowell connections. Yes, yeah. I am also uh, an alum. I graduated with my master's here in 2021. Awesome. Okay. Lauren, want to kick us off? Sure. Um, so, you know, today's podcast is going to be about putting yourself out there in a new environment. Uh, but, you know, I think it's important first, um, you know, we ask our regular question that we usually ask where um, we ask everyone what your relationship is to the word disability. Um, so, so I can go first, um, and this changes every podcast. So again, I hope no one's keeping track of what I'm saying, um, but my relationship to the word disability, obviously it's a part of what I do every day. It's uh, the students that I work with, the people that I work with um, in the field that I'm passionate about, uh, and just making sure that we're providing access to everyone who's coming here to UMass Law. Hannah or say if you can take it. Okay, I'll go first. Um, so my relationship to the word disability, I would say similar to Lauren, it's always kind of been a part of work. Um, I've always worked with students with disabilities, but it's my relationship has kind of changed in the past couple of years. Um, my four-year-old niece a couple of years ago was diagnosed with a rare disease that comes with a lot of physical and intellectual disabilities. And so it's really opened my eyes to just how much we expect her to adapt to the world around her, as opposed to like shifting the world and our perspective to include her in it. Um, so I have always been an advocate, but now I will advocate for Ellie every single day. Um, and so, yeah. Yeah, um, for me, it's something that I've kind of had to deal with pretty much every day being somebody who has had like learning disabilities throughout the better chunk of their public school time, like from third grade onwards. It's been something that I've like had to deal with, meet with people. So it's been something that I have always advocated for and something that I do feel passionate about. Thank you. And my relationship with disability, similar to Lauren, just because we get the opportunity to say it all the time, um, changes a little bit all the time. But um, obviously, I've dedicated my career to this um, to this field and this world, and particularly college students um, accessing higher education. Um, I personally carry around um, I carry around some invisible disabilities. I have Crohn's disease where um, it's actually very under control. So it's one of those kind of disabilities that at times it reminds me that it falls into a disabling category, but I, on a daily basis at this point, don't think of it as a disabling condition in my life at present. Um, and um, I also uh, carry around mental health disabilities and I'm always an advocate for team therapy and you know team taking care of self and coping skills. 
Um, we have, you know, um, ADHD in our family. We're watching it closely for our son. So, um, yeah, so I feel like it's, it's all around. <laughs> Can we like make a joke about, um, the, what's the Christmas movie that love actually is be like disability is all around us. Like the song they sing over and over in that movie. <laughs> um, um, Okay, so just kind of starting with sort of like a fun question um, in terms of sort of, it's a new semester, it's a fresh start, um, you know, there are people kind of look at it as a chance for a fresh start. I'm wondering um, what kind of it feels like that's good, exciting for a fresh start and things that might be hard and scary for each of us as we have this new September thing. Yes, I think it makes most sense for me to start being a freshman. And yeah. as it's been a new environment, it's been it's been fun actually. I've been getting out a lot more than I feel like I normally have. It's been also a little bit challenging getting to know my roommates and then, you know, like conflicts living with somebody brand new for the first time. How do you deal with that? But overall, I think it's been a fun experience. It's been like it's been more people, even though it's been a smaller school, like a small group of people that I've met, but I feel like I've made more connection, more meaningful connections with them so far. I'm really enjoying that as a fresh start. I would say that's something safe that I've noticed. You know, I've I've been here at UMass Lowell for eight years, and I feel like this year I usually walk around campus over lunch. And um, this year I've noticed a lot more students out and about than I have over the last couple of years, even though we've had students living here, I feel like a lot of those students went home over the weekends, like when a Thursday night traffic would be brutal, everybody's leaving campus, like the last couple of years, because people were more isolated in their living situations. I feel like now this year to me has been like a swing back in seeing students you know, in in the university student center, seeing students outside a little bit more and walking in groups and and things like that. So that's been, I think, a big shift and and something exciting to see, like students taking advantage of things. Um, like one thing I think of is when they did the like the iced coffee and donuts thing. I think a couple of weeks ago, and that's something that the university's done for years now. That and usually I would see like a. a you know, a few people coming in and out. And I saw like it was mobbed downstairs with a ton of people. So I think that's been nice to see more students wanting to be involved in things that, that we have going on because, you know, I mean, it's it's good to make connections, but also it's nice to see students taking advantage of like getting free stuff too. I mean, that's always a good thing. Who doesn't want a coffee or a donut, you know? I agree with that, Lauren. And that's what's like, I don't know, being here all summer and not seeing students, it's just like so blah. And then they mm -hmm. come back and you're like, this is why I do this work. They're back. Yay. <laughs> and we do wellness Wednesdays in our office. And last year we probably had like max 10 students. So, you know, we, we do activities every week. Um, and we got supplies for about 10 students a week. And last week we had 30 students at wellness Wednesday and we completely ran out of everything which we felt bad about, but we were just so excited to connect with them. And they all were talking to each other and us. And it was just like, that's the best part. I, I agree. I feel like the students are are here and about, out and about a lot more right now. Mm -hmm. That's kind of a good problem to have, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, for me, um, echoing what everybody said, I'm having my own fresh start that I am starting the PhD program here. So I'm a student again for the first time in... 13, 14 years. Um, so that's like exciting and a little scary, but it is um, kind of nice to be back on the student side of things and to, you know, be using my, my brain in that way. Um, so that's a little bit, you know, um, kind of exciting. I think one thing that I'm finding hard and scary aren't quite the words, but um, I'm concerned about just at the beginning of the semester, the level of student mental health is like students are bringing in a pretty high level of sort of mental health concerns. And, you know, I, and it's, it's just like a, it's a big, big issue. And I feel like 
in the, at least even in the past, like the semester might start a little bit softer and concerns would pick up as the semester rolled on, but it's kind of coming right, right at it, right at the beginning of the semester. So that's been something I'm worried about. I agree. I have that same worry. And like, just knowing that there are students out there that are struggling that we don't necessarily know about. And I just want to like go give them a big hug and, and give them all the resources and everything like that. But you just don't know. We don't know if you're sitting in your room, you know, struggling. It's a, it's a lot of those students need to kind of advocate for themselves. And so how do we teach them to be an advocate during the time when they're really struggling the most? Mm -hmm. All right. Lauren, you want to kind of grab another question? It doesn't have oh, sure. order. Yeah. Um, I think getting into like kind of putting yourself out there a little bit. Um, I'm wondering if we, I might start with a question just about like our own styles as people to kind of open up conversation. You know, I think especially as these terms have become more popular in social media, you know, we kind of think of people as either introverted or extroverted, right? So people who are introverted or shy, or we think of those folks as people who prefer to be alone and people who are extroverted as people who need to be surrounded by others at all times or need to be engaged in something, you know, when in reality, we're all a combination of those things at different times. Um, I'm wondering if we could all describe our own social connection style and also what social connection means to you. Yeah, so yeah I can go first just because I, I feel like I think about this a lot. Um, everybody always says you're so extroverted because I'm friendly and outgoing and I love to chit chat with people, but I'm very, I'm actually very introverted in the sense of like, that's how I get my energy is spending time alone. And so I love, you know, I love my job. I love that I can make social connections with staff and students, but I like to go home and, you know, sit on the couch by myself and not talk to anybody every night. And so I was thinking about this and like putting myself back in the perspective of when I was in college. And I remember I really struggled my freshman year because I like made friends with everybody in on my floor and then they wanted to hang out till like two in the morning. And I was like, no, no, after 8 p.m. I don't like to talk to people. And so it was kind of hard. I didn't really understand boundaries back then to be able to be like I can be your friend and be outgoing and friendly but also turn off um so yeah I would say definitely I'm an example of that like I appear very extroverted but I'm more introverted I guess for me it's much more it depends like if I'm put in a room when nobody knows each other and I get the opportunity to be in a small group I will make friends with that small group but if you put me in the giant classroom where people where it doesn't give me a chance to make friends easily or people already know one another, I will just not really talk to people. Like I'll talk about like what's the homework and then that's kind of it. Like it's just very much related to the subject at hand. So like with my roommates, it's been much more, we were able to make friends really quick. We hang out almost all the time like for all our food and lunch and everything. Like we tried to go get it together. But I couldn't name five kids in any of my other classes because it's a lot more individual work. And so it doesn't give me the chance to learn the names of other people. And like, I kind of missed that about high school where it's very much, you kind of got a little bit more chance to know much, a lot more people in your classes. So if you did struggle, you could reach out to friends instead of maybe going to the tutoring center because you don't feel comfortable going with that way, for example. As I think back to my own experience and sort of thinking about what you're both saying before I share mine, I mean, I think that's so interesting, Safe, what you say is that like, that is something huge right now is that, you know, the the interpersonal engagement in classes, is, um, some of the particularly gately for first year classes do a really good job of making sure there's opportunity for students to kind of have to break apart and talk to each other and stuff like that. And some you just come in and the information's at you and that's it. And I can expect in your major that you're seeing more of that. And, you know, that that's a hard thing because I'm thinking back to, you know, myself 
when I was in college and, you know, I, um, I don't know how I did it, but it was very important to me to, to make somebody in the class that I could like study with later, um, you know, and have that person that I could call if I was like, wait, what did he say about the thing we were supposed to do on page three? Um, you know, and, um, and I think that's really challenging right now for students to do just cause it's like, come to class and go and leave. Um, and, um, you know, and I think that students think that they have to kind of study alone and bear it alone when when perhaps uh, interactive study may actually help with retention of information a little bit more. But I think my experience is a little bit similar to to Hannah um, in that I often get seen as an extrovert and I am very like bubbly and kind of energetic. But um, and I would have said in high school and in college that I was absolutely an extrovert. I thought that for sure. I would have thought that. And I tried hard to be an extrovert. I thought that about myself and other people thought that about me. And I tried hard to be an extrovert. And I think back about different situations where um, I kept kind of have, making new groups of friends in college and not really stick with it with these people because of probably, Hannah, what you're saying, like the, the mindset, it was like there was a very group mentality. And if like they were going to do this thing that I didn't really want to do, like I either felt compelled to like do the thing that they do on Tuesday nights that I don't necessarily want to do. Or like I started to feel like I didn't fit in with them and would have to kind of like find another set. And um, it took me a really long time um, to to recognize in college that I it took me all the way to senior year until I needed to realize that I needed to revisit the like a smaller subset of people that really matter to me <laughs> instead of trying to like forget these clouds of people and clouds of friends to have, you know, all these activities to do. Um, and now I would consider myself like a pretty sig serious introvert in terms of the concept of introvert extrovert, which we now know more is about not necessarily how you present, but how do you recharge your battery? Like what charges you up and gives you that energy and very similar to Hannah, it is sitting on my couch talking to absolutely nobody for at least like an hour every night. <laughs> um, like that is like a must. And I will go to sleep late if I have to do that because I didn't fit it in before. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree with everybody. I think, I think first of all, safe, like what you're saying about like, you know, meeting other people on campus, right? Like you want to make friends with people in your classes, but if you're not given that opportunity, you don't really know where to start, right? And I would still feel that way as an adult. Like if I am going to a, a meeting at work and I know like, okay, these are things we're going to talk about. Like this is the agenda. It's a little bit easier for me than if it's just at like our, you know, our giant like holiday party or something like that. Like you kind of run out of things to say to people, even if I've known them for a long time, because, you know, you, the only commonality, if that's all you have is, is that you work at the same place. It's, it's hard when you're not given the opportunity to kind of talk about other things. Um, but yeah, I would agree with everyone. And that's why I think it's interesting when people have these like hard labels of like introvert, extrovert, whatever, because yeah, a lot of my job is talking to other people all day long. I'm good at making connections with people and all that stuff. But like, I also, it's one of the reasons why I choose to do my workouts when work is done, because I typically run or lift weights. And those are like solo activities. I don't want to run with other people. I don't want to lift weights with other people, it gives me a chance to just like put music on and like get rid of the day so that I actually can like have a conversation with someone else if I need to. Because otherwise it just sometimes it feels like it's constantly me like maintaining conversation with people and it's like exhausting. So yeah. And then I do like to do, even though I like to organize things and like keep chatter going, I like to do a lot of work by myself too. Like I, I like to just like shut the door and have my music on and like study by myself and all those things. And I remember in undergrad and grad school, I could never be in a study group because I couldn't be with anybody else. Like I had to have classical music on and be alone in order to get any work done. Like being with other people seemed like just such a huge distraction 
to me, uh, or I would be comparing myself like, oh, it looks like everybody else is memorizing things. And I'm just like sitting here, you know, like, what am I doing? So that, that part became really hard too. Yeah. It's really interesting. We could have a whole other conversation and maybe we will like about small talk. Like I feel like the art of small talk is sort of missing. I don't know. It's gone. I, I, I lost it somewhere along the way in the early pandemic. Like I, yeah, I have to like make a pretty serious effort to remember to small talk. Well, I didn't, I didn't know I was terrible at small talk until I moved to the Midwest. Cause I've lived all over the country and man, the people in the Midwest understand small talk in a way that like me as like a new Englander was like, why is the person in the grocery store? Like asking me where I live? Like, it's weird. Like, don't talk to me. Like, I just was like, <laughs> alone and I thought it was creepy and people thought I was rude and I was just like oh I'm used to like going someplace and having a purpose as to why I'm talking to someone so apparently that's a skill I did not develop living either in New England or on the west coast so the the midwest was I had to try to tolerate that um and it had mixed it had mixed reactions when I tried (laughs) well it's so funny though Lauren because that like sounds so natural and I feel like here like because we're not good at small talk we force it with icebreakers and then Mm -hmm. like we're doing icebreakers I'm sitting there not retaining anything anyone else is saying because I'm thinking about like oh my god what is my favorite color and don't forget to to say your name and your pronouns and everything like that where like if we just kind of loosened up and talked to each other we would get that information and get to know each other more it's yeah it's definitely I think something that was lost in the pandemic Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think I definitely agree with you, Lauren and Hannah. Like when there is icebreakers, I forget about everybody else. And by the time it's done, I only remember my name and <laughs> my color is yeah. whatever one I've spun a wheel in my head and just chosen that one at random. But mm-hmm. like the idea of small talk is like when I've gone overseas, like to Australia, it's like they make a lot of small talk. And I'm like, why are you talking so much? I, <laughs> I've come from New York City where it's like, if you see somebody in the street, you don't make eye contact with them. You just walk by them. In you Australia, don't talk to people on the train, right? Like, yeah, you okay. don't you always know when that's a tourist when they're talking on the train or something? You're like, well, the thing is, like, even people from my school, like, I would know kids on the train who went to my high school, and I just wouldn't talk with them because mm-hmm. I'm like, you're going to my school, but I don't really feel like talking with you. But in Australia, it'd be like my mom would make conversation with at least five different people every time we went outside. And I'm like, why are we doing this? Why are you just making me stand here, listen to this conversation? (laughs) Yeah, but see, this just proves that like, I'm not weird. Everybody else is weird. You know, I'm just going to use our small (laughs) sample size of like, good, I can still suck at, at small talk at this age. And yes, I agree. Icebreakers. I feel like what happens too is I don't know how all of you feel, but like when somebody gives a really clever, fun answer and then I'm like, oh my God, like I am not a stand-up comedian. Like, what am I supposed to say now? Like now I'm like, great. Now it's going to be like some boring, dumb thing, like coming from me. Like I just can't, I I can't get out of my own head about that either. All right. I think we've like, (laughs) we've figured out that we need to overthrow the the traditional icebreaker and figure Mm -hmm. out somewhere in the middle between just like forced throw you onto the like onto the fire pit and say figure out how to talk to somebody and icebreakers of like yeah name like three things that start with your first letter of your first name you know um so I feel like we you know we can we can do better people let's do better um but it's you know and I've, I've been thinking about this a little bit too um you know I've been at UMass Lowell almost two years and, you know, when I started, we have sirens. I don't know if they will come through on the podcast, but we have some sirens going by that will allow to finish their their drive. Um, okay. Um, but um, when I when I started, it had been a long time since I had been in a new setting. It had also been sort of coming out of COVID where everybody was remote and, you know, and I remember sort of feeling really like I don't know if I'm going to make connections at this place like people are nice but like I don't know how to make a connection anymore like I can come in and I can do the job and it will be fine but like am I going to care about people here are people going to care about me and I had to really 
center myself and use data as somebody who moved around a lot, like Lauren growing up and, you know, have been in multiple kind of new scenarios. Now I had to, I had to revisit data that is like, it takes time. It just takes time. And I really had to remind myself that on a very regular basis. Like I, I say something to other people a lot that sometimes I don't remember on my own, which is like, if you start a new anything, basically, I usually say when it comes to a new job, like it takes an entire year, in my opinion, to really know all the ins and outs of the jobs and what to expect and when things are going to be hard and what, you know, someone's going to react if there's a difficult situation and those kind of things. And, you know, I think that that also socially takes, you know, takes that kind of time, which when you're a freshman in college and you're all new and you're just being tossed in and you need to even figure out who to go to lunch with, like you're it's so fortunate that you have these wonderful roommates that you can have the meals with, that there's lots of students, I think, that are like, I'm not sure if I want to, you know, go to the dining hall because I don't, everyone's going to be with somebody else and I don't know if I'm going to be alone and I don't want to, and then it's embarrassing to eat alone or whatever. Um, so I feel like if we talked a little bit more about sort of just like general, like let's talk about, let's, let's uncrack homesickness. Let's crack it open. Let's get in the, into it. Is it okay to be homesick, to be anxious, to be uncomfortable? Are those things okay? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I can tell you all about my first year of college because it was not sunshine and rainbows. Um, <laughs> I went to Endicott for my undergrad, which is not far away. I grew up in Dracut, um, so it was about an hour away. Both of my siblings had gone there. Like I knew the campus very well, but from the minute I got there, I was like, nope, I don't want to do this. I want to go home. Um, I want to transfer to UMass Lowell. I want to live at home. And for me that felt like the safe option that felt like I was like going back into my little bubble where, uh, you know, people commuted from Drake to UMass. Well, I didn't have to make new friends. I could go back to my old friends. Um, and my mom really pressured me to stick it out a full year. And so she's like in, if in May you feel the same way you can transfer to UMass Lowell. Um, and I was like, May, mom, it's October. I want to come home now. <laughs> um, but she she was really adamant, like just just wait it. Like you said, Jody, it takes time. Um, and so randomly, I just was like, I'm bored all the time. I guess I'll get a job. And I became a tutor, and that changed everything. I just going to work for a couple hours a day and like meeting the other tutors in like a smaller, more comfortable setting. Um, they introduced me to like other student leaders. I got involved on campus. I became an orientation leader. And then here I am today still working in higher ed because I loved it so much. So like I would never be sitting here if in October when I felt homesick, I just went home, um, which, you know, that that's okay if some people make that decision. But for me, um, it really took a lot more time and just took me putting myself out there and applying for a job to kind of change the whole trajectory of like my life and my career and everything. I guess like for me, it's, I don't really find myself getting homesick. And so for me, it's, I came from New York. So like, that's where my family is. So it's a bit of a commute, like six hours if you want to take public transportation. So it's kind of like, I don't have the opportunity to go back home. I think because of that, I don't have the same sense of homesickness because I'm like, I can't get back home. So now this becomes my new home. So like, I can't really get homesick if I'm already at home per se. And it also helps that my dad moved to Boston for a job. So like, if I do need something, I can go. But also like, I'm trying not to do that. I think the only time I, the only time I visited him so far is because I needed to boil water, mm-hmm. and I don't have a pot on me. So it's like that's pretty much the only reason why. <laughs> <laughs> but since usually that, like, it's, it's laundry, but boil water is a new one. Mm-hmm. That's good. I had to get a mouth guard for field hockey, so I needed to boil <laughs> the water. Set it oh, to, to like shape it. Yeah. <laughs> That's really an interesting point. Like you had to just be in the mindset that it was dive in head first and 
and go for it. And that I'm thinking that as you were saying that too, like, I wonder if it's, if you're, you could, you could get home to family easier. Like it actually could make homesickness, like even a little bit, even more. I don't know. That's actually an interesting point because my now sister-in-law, but she was my brother's girlfriend at the time was a senior. So anytime she went home to visit my brother who had already graduated, I could go with her. So like, I, like, it was that I don't have to stay here. I can go home and it's really easily accessible where say, if you're saying like, no, I'm here, I'm making this my home and that's it. I can't mm-hmm. go home. Yeah. And, and it is home. like, yeah, go ahead. I think it also helps that all my schools I looked at, none of them were in New York. Like from the moment I looked at colleges, I none that offered anything that I wanted to do were in New York City. So like the moment I looked at colleges, I knew I had to live away at home. And so I think I kind of had like a year to prepare myself beforehand because I'm like, I don't have the choice of living at home. Yeah. So now I've got to like prepare myself mentally. Mm. What did you do to prepare yourself? Uh, I just didn't talk to my family as much. <laughs> and I just blamed it on being a teenager. So yeah. <laughs> See, if I was going to ask, like, what have you done to make you muscle feel like home? I've bought books. That's been nice. I mean, it's it isn't that it's been home. It's more like I grew up sharing a room, so it feels very nice to share a room again mm. and, but my roommate has moved out so now I've got a room to myself so it's an interesting experience going <laughs> from two weeks of having a roommate to not having a roommate but also like joining clubs and especially being happy as orientation I love kids that I have in classes I already know so it feels already like getting back into the swings of things it doesn't feel like it's a new school it feels more like the second a new like the second year of the same school if that makes sense like as if I'm a sophomore because I already have friends in my class without having to do a lot of extra work for it yeah Yeah, that makes sense are you seeing and other students who are you seeing a different version of homesickness around you safe I think one of my roommates tends to go back on like the weekends. Like mm-hmm. he does do that. Another one of my roommates does like two of them will sometimes go back. But another one of my sweetmates is lives in Cape Cod. So like mm-hmm. me and him are always here on the weekend. And yes, he like will call. I think he is somewhat homesick. But also like he's much he's also prepared for because he's like if I need to, it's also an hour drive home. Like I can do it if I need. But I feel like I don't really feel the same like it's homesick per much. It's just more convenience to go home and people will take that convenience. It's comfortable to go home. Yeah, exactly. Instead of being uncomfortable, like meeting new people and stuff like that. And I do think like the weekends are when the connections actually happen and the evenings and stuff like that. Like you're like you're saying, it's hard in class for a while until you've had a few classes and familiar faces and you've done group projects together, you know, it can be harder. So those, those weekends, um, you know, kind of figuring out what to do with your time is you can get it kind of getting forced to come out of your comfort zone as I think where the, some of the connections can, can really form. So I think that that is an interesting phenomenon we've been talking about, about how last year we thought everybody went home all the time. And, you know, you're a student that's, that's from not Massachusetts. So, you know, um, you're, you're forced into the situation. And so you're, you're, you know, your attitude is sort of like, let's go in, let's make the best of it, which is, which is definitely pretty cool. I'm curious about like, you're having a really good positive start, but are there times that have felt awkward to you or uncomfortable to you? Yes, most definitely. <laughs> I think my roommate moving out after two weeks in has got to be somewhat awkward um, because we haven't exactly hit it off. Mm. And so it was kind of like, okay. And then it just kind of dissolved after, like, after two weeks and it just didn't work out. So it's like, it was somewhat awkward for that. But now like, it we're past, I'm past that. It's like, there really isn't the only thing that I'm currently worried about is writing because I'm not very good at it. But like, that's my biggest concern. I feel like that's a good concern to have. Mm-hmm. If I'm more concerned about schoolwork than making friends. 
Yeah. Well, and I feel like too, you know, we don't, I think it's something that oftentimes gets skipped over for students too. Like whether it's really in movies or TV that we watch or things like that, where like, it is awkward for everybody. It's just, it's like a giant sleepaway camp, but for nine months of your life, you know, and as a kid who refused to go to camp because I was too nervous about like, who am I going to meet and how am I going to make friends? I'd rather sit at home alone than like be sent someplace that like it is, it is a lot of work. Um, I know, you know, like my freshman year, I remember I had a roommate, we talked on the phone over, you know, this was like back in the day, we talked on the phone, like prior to school coming and like, you know, who's going to bring what? And we seem to listen to the same music. We seem to like the same things, like all that stuff. I'm like, yes, like this is going to be like the movies. This person's going to be my best friend. Like this is so easy. And then we moved in together and we were so different personality wise. Like she was someone who grew up right down the street from the school that we were going to. Whereas my parents were in California at the time. The rest of my family was in Southern New Hampshire. I had no car. Like I, uh, there wasn't any way for me to like leave campus. And most of her friends were still in high school. And I remember it like quickly imploded where like we didn't argue or anything, but we were two totally different people you know and then that harsh reality of like oh my god I have to try to make friends with like other people because I thought my roommate was going to be my built-in best friend and now I have to like go out um and speaking of like awkward awkwardness I know that like one of the times we went to the dining hall together, like one of the first couple days of school and we were in the dining hall and I happened to see some other girls sitting at a table, you know, it's freshman year. So everybody's kind of sitting at their own things and there's no tables left or like no one's there. And so there were a couple girls I saw that were, were lived in our hall. And I just, I just walked up to them on my tray and was like, Hey, I think we are like are on the same floor. Is anyone sitting here? Or can we sit here? And they, and luckily, Luckily, they said yes, so we could like sit down. But I hadn't had an experience like that since like elementary school where, you know, it's almost like, hey, will you play with me? And like seeing if other people will play with you type of thing. So it's definitely awkward. Um, but it's I don't know. I always think there's more of a benefit of pushing through it than to just stay in my own shell, you know. And then I ended up making more friends with people in the hallway, which was good. So, yeah. Um, all right. We're blowing through all of our questions. Um, let's see. Oh, let's get into this a little bit. This is, this is a big topic. I would say in terms of imposter syndrome, you know, that's something that's really come up a lot in the last couple of years, especially on social media in terms of feeling like, you know, whether you, you know, are really, really fit to be where you are. It's definitely something we talk to students a lot about. Um, so, you know, I would guess kind of in general, how do we feel about imposter syndrome? Um, how does social media kind of influence the idea that other people might might be having a better experience, you know, especially leading off of this conversation about homesickness, where again, no one talks about that publicly, right? So looking at kind of the bigger picture of coming to school, um, you know, for the first time and meeting people, you know, how are we influenced uh, about like, you know, looking at social media and how sometimes it kind of paints a certain picture of how things should be versus how things are. Yeah, I can speak to that a little bit. Um, I tell first year students now all the time, like if you see your friend or people from high school having the best time in college and it makes you like feel sad or you feel some type of way, I'm like block them, mute them, <laughs> get it off your timeline, only see things that make you happy because I remember my experience and like I had this core group of friends from high school and we all went off to college and they're posting on Snapchat and Instagram and having the best time. And it wasn't until Thanksgiving break that we came back and I was like, I'm like not having as great a time as you. And they're like, oh God, me either. And I was like, wait, but like, you look like you're having so much fun. And it, it made me really realize that like, it's just a tiny little snapshot and like what people post is like the most polished version and you never know what's happening behind the scenes, people don't like post their true emotions or their true feelings. So 
I try to tell students all the time, like, if it if it's not bringing you joy to see that, and if it's making you feel yucky, like, find a way that you don't have to see it, even if they're your friend, like, mute it or something, because it's not, it's not beneficial to you to be looking at that. Yeah, I think that's a really good point for like me. I don't have social media. So for me, I've never had to be exposed to like other people having a good time. And I never, I've kept in contact with some kids from high school, but it's been more like here and there, like a text once every two weeks type of thing. And so it's like, I don't really feel imposter syndrome currently. I feel like I felt imposter syndrome when like we do group work and I know somebody finishes before me, say for example. And I feel like I understand the material well. But seeing somebody finish before me, it's like, oh, do I really understand this material? But I think over time, especially the past year and a half, it's been much more realizing that living with a disability, it's like, it's unfair for me to compare myself to other kids who may or may not have it because it's like, I'm comparing myself to a much higher standard than what I may be able to actually do, practically do. And so it's like, it's been taking a lot off my mind of like, I have disabilities from everybody else so why am I comparing myself to people that don't have them that isn't a fair comparison to me and just kind of letting it go that has been really useful like not getting into the minds of like imposter syndrome a lot yeah that's a huge one and that's one that definitely comes up in our office a lot I mean I think imposter syndrome is everywhere but um but I think that you're absolutely right that that idea of sort of the comparing and academically comparing around and you know and and socially even you know just yeah thinking about well you know I'm gonna focus on like I'm gonna do the best that I can like I'm in this for me right you know like that sounds like that's been your attitude safe is that like you figured out that like you're in this academic thing and going to college thing for you right like your outcome is for you and I I didn't think about that in college (laughs) um I mean Lauren and I kind of had the pleasure of growing up pre uh pre social media so um you know and and I think social media came in at the tail end um but uh even then it wasn't like the same um in in that way so it was you know really a different kind of world like I can't I can't truly know what I would imagine. Like, I just remember I would write, everybody would write these like group emails to each other from high school. And that's how we would choose to share. Either somebody would choose to be very, 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 very honest. And you were like, whoa, they're oversharing. Or somebody would just share like only the highlights. And you were like, oh, they're they're doing amazing. That's interesting. Um, You know, and so I guess it was kind of a similar, similar situation. Um, But yeah, I... Similar to you, Safe, and I'm with going back to school, I'm having my own little little tidbits of imposter syndrome of, you know, am I am I up to snuff, you know, to do a PhD program and like these people around me or using fancy words like dissertation and things like that, you know, um, and like even trying to do my first paper and be like, ah, what do, how do I write a paper? Let me, let me figure that one out again. Um, you know, and our have papers changed since I wrote papers. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so, but like other people may be in a situation where they've been consistently in school prior to, you know, this. And so their, their language of, of academia is more, you know, present for them than it is for me who, who's had a big gap. And I have to kind of say to myself, I'm in this for me. I'm going to do this for me. Get through this journey for me. Um, it's hard not to look around though, isn't it? Yeah. Cody, it's so funny you say that because last fall I, uh, enrolled in one PhD class just to see what it's like, see if I like it. And I was like, I'm the youngest one here. I'm too young. I'm, I don't have enough experience yet. All (laughs) these people are using big fancy words, just like you said. And I cried and dropped the class. I was like, I can't do this. Um, You know, I need to be older. I need to be, have more experience to do this, which is like the opposite of what you're saying. You're saying like, these people have been in school this whole time. So it's like both ends of the spectrum have imposter syndrome. We all feel like imposters when it comes down to it. So then there's no normal. Good news. There's no normal. (laughs) Exactly. Save. I'm wondering. I'm just curious. Like, how do you make? How do you make and keep the choice not to have social media? My choice. I the only. I my parents were very much against social media for me from very mm-hmm. early on, and so my only social media would be Reddit. 
And that's about it. And for me, it's like, with ADHD, I get distracted by a pen in my pocket. I don't <laughs> need social media to make me more distracted. It's like, I don't need that. As like growing up is like, yes, it's annoying when everybody communicates via Snapchat. But at the same time, I would rather focus on making friends with people that are willing to accommodate me than me trying to accommodate them mm. and then have to build up that way. Like, I'd rather just find mutual interest, like they're willing to share their phone number and then work off of that than trying to download. And yes, I'll make more friends, but they aren't going to be as meaningful. So may as well save my time in that sense. I totally agree with you. Safe. I know oh, Jody was mentioning, like, I mean, Facebook became a thing, like, quote unquote, on my college campus, I think my junior year of college, right? So that when that was really the big major, you know, social media for a while. And then there's been other things that have come. And for me, I, the more and more I talked to people about, you know, as Instagram became a thing and Snapchat and TikTok and all of those other things the more and more I talked to people, like they just talked about how much stress it brought to them. That even though there was a piece that was like positive, there were so many negatives. And there were times where I felt overwhelmed just even looking at Facebook. So Facebook is still the only thing that I have. I rarely look at it. Um, I mainly look at it because like there's some local restaurants and ice cream shops that only use Facebook. So that's how I know if like they're open or what flavors are coming <laughs> in. Um, but otherwise I don't really, I don't use it. And I, and, and, you know, it is hard sometimes because people will say like, Oh, what do you mean? You didn't see this on Instagram or you didn't see this, whatever. And I'm like, no, I mean, there are plenty of places like Reddit or BuzzFeed that can summarize the internet for me so that I know what's going on. Um, but I find it to just add a lot of stress and actually tended to increase my imposter syndrome, especially as I got older as an adult, where it was like, oh, everybody's getting married. Everybody has kids, like all these other things like, oh, I'm not meeting like the milestones or people are buying a house. And like, it took me longer like to, to have those things. And so, yeah, I don't. Uh, you know, I do feel like the friends that I have are hiring quality instead of quantity. Um, but, you know, and I don't have this like public number out there all the time that says like who's I'm connected with. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's hard because it is even at this age, like people are like, oh, what do you mean you don't have that? But at the same time, I found it's given me a lot more free time yeah, um, and less worry. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's that's so funny you say that, Lauren, because Today, I looked on Instagram and I manage four Instagrams, mm -hmm. like two bit work ones, like a work in a professional organization, myself and my dogs. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. the only one I enjoy posting on is my dogs because nobody yeah. follows it. And I just like to post pictures of her. And yeah. so the other ones, it feels like this competition to like get to a certain number or put a certain aesthetic out there. and Or see how many people like, like something that yeah. got put out mm -hmm. there, those kind of things. Yeah, it's um, uh, it's so interesting. It's true. You probably do have a lot more time in your hands. <laughs> like trying to get through. It feels like another job sometimes. Like getting through mm -hmm. social media, um, getting through the the things that are happening. If you want to try to keep up with it or whatever. I wonder if there is going to be. I don't know. I wonder if there is going to be a slow but like shift back to authentic relationships. I hope so. I hope so. Are you? It sounds like safe. You're just you're seeking and working to find people who are interested in the authentic relationships. Yeah. Which is cool. yeah. I mean, for me, it's, I've never been one that needs many friends. Like for me, if I have more than five, I feel tired afterwards, like working with five different close friends. It's like, I like to have one or two close friends, mm -hmm. five more friends that I like hanging out with and then 10 or so acquaintances but across my class where I need homework and that for me kind of works out where it's like I can manage being with friends if I need and if I want to talk to somebody I've got people to talk to but if I need my own time I don't have to keep telling people no I can't hang out right now like it gives me a lot more flexibility in that sense yeah yeah man you're an old soul <laughs> I was just about to say I'm like safe are you sure you're for Right, you're a freshman. Yeah. <laughs> Are you an imposter? Are you yeah. a freshman? Oh, I uh, think going to therapy since third grade does yeah. wonders for wins. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, we're coming to the end, and I want to ask our 
favorite closing question, which is just sort of a, you know, we haven't really had a lot of time to process, but a takeaway from this conversation today, from this episode and, you know, anything you've learned or kind of are going to mull over more as you leave this conversation. I can start. I would just say I, listening to safe talk, I have like a little bit more hope. I was like, we're talk- when I heard that there was going to be a freshman on here, I'm like, oh my gosh, like we're going to hear all about how homesick they are and how hard it is to adjust. And hearing your experience just gives me so much hope that like there are people who have positive experiences their first year and who, you know, are wise beyond their years. And so I'm hoping that somebody who listens to this, listens to safe and is like, I'm going to delete social media and I'm going to focus on authentic connections. And I'm going to try to make you mess well in my home, because I think a lot of the things you said really can help people maybe who aren't in as good of a situation as, as you are right now. I would say, mm, I have to pick one thing. I would say one thing I would take away from our conversation today would be, um, I think remembering that, you know, the beginning of things is always awkward and that that's okay to push through. I think sometimes, you know, we all get in our little bubbles of our people or our places and that, you know, it's okay to continue to ask or, you know, to maybe try to work on my small talk a little bit more so that I, you know, I can make a random friend. So. I think those are good reminders that, you know, small talk doesn't have to be like a painful thing. It can just be a way to make a connection with someone, especially if that person doesn't have a lot of connections, you know, that there's value in it instead of it just feeling draining. Yeah, no, I definitely think like just the idea of small talk is definitely something I want to think about, like trying to connect when I'm not given opportunities to connect in class and stuff like maybe staying a little bit later after class and asking, can you help me with the homework, even if I don't need it, just so I can start to build relationships with other people. And also the idea of like homesickness and like, is it people that are closer to home get more homesickness or is it just, it's like kind of just 50-50, like either you get homesickness or not. And like, how does homesickness kind of play into like going to college for the first time? Yeah, that's a, that's, you got your dissertation started already. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I can I say like I'm gonna think about like how I'm maybe never gonna try to do an icebreaker ever again. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I, but I, I, we, the word authentic connection. I'm just gonna keep kind of taking that with me and really thinking about what that means and what that looks like at all, like all chapters of life, you know, and 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 how to foster that in the digital era and all of that kind of stuff. Like how to connect with students in that way and how to help them connect with each other. Um, that authentic connection has got to be the only path. <laughs> you know, it really does. And so we've got to find our way back. I think we've lost it and we've got to find our way back. So that's that's that. I'm going to press stop. Thank you so much to our amazing guests today. Yay.